Welcome to episode number one of The Funding Coach. My name is Don Gooding, and I'm the founder of Four Colors of Money for Entrepreneurs, a blog, podcast, training videos, and other resources all designed to help you figure out what's the right mix of bootstrapping, grants, loans, and equity, and especially figure out what you should be doing now to get the right color of money for you. Here on The Funding Coach, I help real businesses with real funding problems so that you can figure out how to start and grow your business. In this episode, I interview Max Tubman, who co-founded a custom industrial drone company called BFD Systems based in Philadelphia. After bootstrapping through a great first year, he's now trying to figure out how to fund growth in year two. Continue bootstrapping, raise equity, get a loan. I hope you enjoy the interview as much as I did. Max Tubman of BFD Systems, welcome to The Funding Coach. Oh, thanks for having me. Let's start off with a little bit of background on yourself. Uh, what were you doing before you started BFD Systems? Uh, yeah, so um, in the past, I've done a lot of kind of freelance contractor work in the uh, drone or UAV space. Before starting BFD Systems, I was the director of operations for a uh, composite material company based in South Korea. And that company made carbon fiber components for manned and unmanned aerial vehicles. Um, and it was in this role, uh, I got to go around and meet a lot of different customers. And I just noticed that there was a, a, a large gap in the market for people who wanted a turnkey solution for heavy lift unmanned aerial vehicles. And that's kind of how I ended up starting BFD um, after leaving the other company. Well, that's kind of interesting. Just on a personal note, my grandfather was in Philadelphia right after World War II. He was selling industrial roofing components for another company, saw a gap in the market, and built his industrial roofing company out in Lancaster, Pennsylvania, and that's still being run by my uh, cousins. It's a great way to get started in a business. So let's talk about the company now. What are your products or services? Who are your customers? And how far along are you in terms of those products as well as revenue and customers? So we started uh, about nine months ago. Um, and really, we kind of hit the ground running. We had customers lined up before we even uh, got the LLC set up. So really, the way that we worked um, in the beginning was uh, definitely a bootstrapping method where uh, we had a customer who put down a deposit. We had already the design of the aircraft that we were going to make. And we kind of just went from that one and just started building the business from that first sale, essentially. In the first year, or first nine months, rather, we were making two or three different types of aircraft that were kind of constantly being updated or upgraded um, and improved upon as far as the, the aircraft itself and then also like the workflow. So we're doing like the manufacturing and, and whatnot as well. So that's for, so both of those things have been improving, which I kind of I'm calling phase one. And now in 2018, we've got a lot of those systems kind of hashed out and we're scaling our production. So right now we only make about four or five systems a month. And in the next phase, I'll say we're trying to do something closer to 10 to 20 units a month. 
And we have the customer base, but really one of our issues now is just being able to keep up with the demand for for making these systems fast enough and also uh, being able to do good customer support for the existing systems that are out there. Both of those are are really, you know, they're kind of high quality problems to have. I want to come to your funding needs now in just a minute. But so when you were able to bootstrap the company, was it? necessary for you to put in money or any partners, or were you able to basically take a down payment from a customer and launch the business with that? Yeah, great question. So I had to put down some money. It was not much. It was probably less than 10 grand. Um, And then a lot of the uh, infrastructure, I kind of already had in place with a, um, a partner and in that space was kind of like the the work area and the tools that we needed to uh, you know build these systems because we were already doing a lot of aircraft maintenance and um, some development for another company. So a lot of this kind of infrastructure already existed from our contracting work as well as uh, working with the composites company in Korea. So um, that was really something that made it possible um, you know without seeking more funding. But even even without that that infrastructure the business was started really on on with no funding essentially that first deposit that that made it possible well that's excellent so i'm guessing that since then you've been able to be cash flow positive uh, in these initial 9 months of the business yeah so fr- from that first sale um we were beginning it was just me and one other a uh, colleague who's a partner in the company as well, and uh, we've been able to hire uh, two full-time engineers, uh, a full-time electronic assembler, and we're bringing on uh, somebody else who's going to be a compliance officer to kind of help with the FAA regulations and also uh, military regulation. Um, and then, that, so that was all in the first nine months, and we were we had a profit of forty thousand dollars last year. That's tremendous. Yeah, so we're pretty happy with that and definitely looking forward to really starting to crank things into full gear for 2018. Okay, so you're looking now at growing the company and a pretty significant step up in your manufacturing capability. As you think about what you might need for funding now in order to fund that growth, what are the the big uses that uh, that, that you need cash for? There's a, there's a few different categories of things that we need cash for. Um, one of one, one of which is just development in, in scaling. So in the drone that we make or the UAV, there's a few parts that are very labor intensive. It really has to do with the motor itself and then also the electronics in the motor. Um, so those are all handmade. What we're trying to do is machine parts that would kind of reduce the labor time. So right now each arm takes three hours and there's four arms. So it's 12 hours just to make the arms one of these drones. And if we're able to machine all these parts, all these uh, motor mounts that have all the electronics and everything kind of integrated already, then we can reduce that time from 12 hours just to do the arms and then reduce that down to like two hours. So we'll be able to really crank these things out a lot faster. And it's a lot easier for an electronic assembler. It takes less training and, and whatnot. So Part of it is the just kind of putting the R&D and manufacturing so that we can scale up. It's, it's way more efficient to make, you know, 10 drones at a time or 40 drones at a time than it is to make one at a time. 
So all our products right now are, are basically one-offs and the tooling and machining to go up from there is, is pretty costly. And when you say pretty costly, about how much? Um, it's about 150000 So it's pretty costly for us, I guess. It, I guess it depends on the company. It's all relative. Yeah, if you don't yeah. have the cash <laughs> yeah. for it, then it's costly. Okay. Any, any requirements on scaling up your marketing side of the business? Absolutely. Um, so right now, our sole marketing is essentially going to trade shows and just through our own email chains and, and social networks. But these trade shows are also pretty expensive. So to do one of these trade shows, we've done them for really cheap and they've had good return on investment. But really to do it right, you need at least you know $50,000 invested in a, a booth travel, having the right setup. And from those trade shows, you really you don't only get customers, uh, companies who want your product, but you also find customers who make components or uh, sensors or anything else like that, that then you can really learn uh, or, or meet new people to collaborate with. So part of it is trade shows. And then also it would be great if we could have a separate marketing director, uh, which I think would be probably something for 2019. Uh, right now, it's just kind of being able to scale to our customers needs and you know of course we want to make uh, get ahead of it and, and get new customers for uh, this year uh, but i think that just doing the trade shows there's two or three that we would do that i think would be more than sufficient to you know continue to grow our our, our customer base okay so what i hear is a lot of you know you've got kind of a two-year plan it sounds like in the back of your head. I'm wondering whether you've thought about the business that you're in long term and where you see it might uh, be going in the future and then what personally you want to get out of the business over the long term. Yeah, I've been in the drone industry for about eight years now commercially. And Every year, I say we're not even really scratching the surface of what these uh, machines are capable of. And I feel like this year, we're really just starting to scratch the surface, I guess. Um, with There's a lot of technology in machine learning and artificial intelligence and automation. And there's a lot of companies that are making these software, computer machine, uh, machine learning uh, systems. Um, and they are testing them on small drones that are really just meant to fly around a laboratory or out in a test field. And what we do is the hardware side of this integration. So we make uh, the aircraft that can integrate with any type of flight computers or offboard computers or sensor arrays, and we make them ready for real-life use, um, either with for mapping or surveying or disaster relief, military as well. So um, I think that the long-term plan for us is to really start to collaborate with some more of those uh, teams and have American-made industrial-grade uh, UAS. And there's a the, the market right now is completely uh, reliant on uh, Chinese manufacturer DJI, which is the juggernaut of the industry. And we certainly don't intend to try to compete with DJI, but there's a lot of concern with data security with that particular company. So there's a lot of our customers now are people who have built a business around a DJI product. And now they're being told that they can't use them by either uh, their customers or the government or the military. 
So we're really filling this gap of all these customers who have started a drone program and now need to replace it with something that's uh, more secure for their data and whatever other services they're providing. So in the two years, I really see that we're scaling up there. And then long term, ultimately, I would like to either sell the company uh, in five years or just be acquired by a larger company that needs to uh, really have an in-house hardware development team. That would be kind of the ideal. Uh, I started this company because I just saw this huge gap in the, the market and I figured, hey, this is a good way to kind of get this ball rolling. But you know, for so long, I've been a, a contractor and uh, uh, my own boss, and that's great. But you know, I kind of would, wouldn't, wouldn't mind uh, selling this company in a couple of years and either working for a larger company or uh, just going on to, to see what else I can do. Well, that's really helpful. I'm a firm believer that entrepreneurs ought to be able to fulfill whatever is right for them. And, you know, I don't think there's any single right answer that applies to all startups. So, mm-hmm. so this is helpful in understanding because your time frame is compatible with equity investors and the outcome of selling the company is also quite compatible with equity investors. So I'm wondering now coming back to your short term funding needs, what options have you been starting to look at either on the debt side or the bootstrapping side, or have you looked at all yet at the equity side of things? This episode of The Funding Coach is brought to you by Branding Compass. Now, you probably know that building a brand is important, but you don't have tens of thousands of dollars to pay a branding company. And that's why the interactive online tool Branding Compass was created for companies like you. It's like working with an award-winning branding firm, but for a fraction of the price. Branding Compass walks you through the questions a branding firm would typically ask, and if you need some help on some of those questions, Branding Compass includes a course to help you build a stronger brand. The system provides automated expert advice so you get really useful output from the process. Recommendations for a color palette, typefaces and imagery – as well as a unique value proposition and even an ideal customer profile. And that's just for the basic version of Branding Compass. If you need more help, you can get it. I was a beta customer for Branding Compass, and I found it extremely helpful. You can see my customer testimonial at brandingcompass.com. And while you're there, sign up for the Branding Compass and use the coupon code THEFUNDINGCOACH, all one word, all lowercase, to save $10 on the right licensing option for you. I've been kind of reaching out to different folks to kind of get as many different inputs as I can to try to make the best decision, which is how we got in touch in the first place. We do have a a few people who are interested in the uh, equity option where they would invest some cash in in exchange for equity. And I'm open to that idea. I just feel like it's a little bit too soon for us to to jump to that because I feel like the value of our company is about to go up tremendously in this year of 2018. And if I can hold off a little bit longer – they'll either be putting a lot more money in for equity or the, the money that they put in will just get them 
less equity, I guess, at the end of this year. So if I can hold off on that, I would. Um, the other thing is we have a few potentials for uh, large orders in which uh, a deposit for a research project uh, where they need us to develop an aircraft, that one big deposit that comes through or one big contract for development might be all we need to kind of make that jump. So those are the, the kind of like the two main options that we're exploring right now. We can just sustain w with what we're doing and we'll be fine. We'll stay in business and we'll continue to grow. But what I really, really like to see is, you know, a little bit of a leap so that we can increase our efficiency and what we're producing. If we sustain what we're doing right now, uh, it's just not quite efficient enough to grow at the rate that I would like to. So the, the three options are just kind of wait it out and see, just see how it goes uh, on this current trajectory. Or we might get one of these big research projects, which would probably just be enough to help us leap or sell some equity as well. So, Or it, it could be a combination of all of the above. Yeah, it's true. It sounds like there would be good reason to try to get this research uh, down payment because it gets buy-in from the customer uh, over a long-term project. Would you agree with that? Absolutely, yeah. I'm wondering about the total amount that you would need to have available to meet all of your growth trajectory plans because what I heard is 140000 uh, just for the manufacturing side and then on the marketing side, I'm guessing another fifty grand would probably be helpful. Is that is that sound about right in terms of what you're thinking of? Yeah, I mean the numbers that I looked at. So one of the other options I I forgot to mention was I was looking at um, you know small business loans, and the, the issue we, I ran into there was we haven't been in business quite long enough for them to to be eligible for one of them. The numbers I was looking at in the, when I was reaching out to those folks was about one hundred and sixty. Um, and that covers uh, the manufacturing, the tooling, I guess, for, for making some of these new parts to streamline our manufacturing, as well as the, the marketing side, which is to go travel and uh, do some of these trade shows. And then one of the parts of this trade show aspect is to have working demo units. A lot of our demo units right now are kind of we have um, are kind of like the Frankenstein of, of drones because they have all these different components that we're testing. So I'd like to have within that 160, that'd also fund two units that would be all the bells and whistles, real clean and something that we can show to people. Right now, every time we have something that is a, you know, a beautiful drone that works amazing and has all the bells and whistles, it sells immediately and we get to take pictures of it um, and we have some video, but it, it goes out the door. So we'd like to have you know, one or two of those in, in house that we can then go to different companies to show them the functionality and the possibilities of what these things can do. Okay. So let me talk a little bit about the equity side, because there's a particular kind of equity investment that is very common at your stage of development that actually will help you get past the uh, perception that your valuation of the company is going to go up very fast in the next year. So mm -hmm. I don't know if you've heard of convertible notes uh, or convertible debt. Uh, it's the most common type of quote unquote equity investment in really early stage companies. It's a loan with the expectation that it's going to turn into equity in the future. 
at some much larger raise of equity. And mm. the price of the equity is only determined at that much later stage. So, uh, for example, if you were able to get uh, two angel investors to each put in 50 grand, uh, so $100,000 of a convertible note, uh, the price when that converts to equity won't be determined until, let's say, a year, 18 months from now, when you say, okay, now we've got uh, all our ducks in a row and we're going to go out and raise let's call it $2 million, the price gets determined then. And then the the two people that put in the $100,000 now get that price that's set in a year to 18 months, less a discount. That discount is usually on the order of 20%. Yeah, I, that sounds like actually something that would work really well for us. I wasn't familiar with that uh, practice. Yeah, so I think that's worth uh, looking at alongside the bootstrapping option. And uh, I think it's still worth talking to some people about the debt option because, in fact, some angel investors may be interested in doing just debt at a higher interest rate. It's it's always worth asking, you know, to say, hey, you know, would you be interested in $50,000 at a 15% interest rate or whatever is the maximum you can have charged. There are actually laws regulating the amount of interest. Yeah. Well, that's good. So it sounds like you've done some reaching out to through connections. Have you tried specifically to plug into the emerging Philadelphia tech startup scene? Very little. I mean, I, recently there was a um, kind of a UAS integration conference in Philadelphia, and, and I only found out about it at the very last minute. So that was really my first chance to kind of connect with other people who are doing stuff in the tech and UAV space in Philadelphia. And that was great just to kind of start to build a community here um, for collaboration and, you know, just to kind of see what other people are doing. But, uh, no, you know, one of the problems that I'm facing now is I am up to my uh, ears in doing design and customer support and new customer outreach that I feel like totally overwhelmed with going to seek out, you know, funding options and, and, and connecting with people in Philadelphia even. So that's something that is one of my goals. Uh, but right now it just seems like at the end of the day, I'm here from, you know, eight to nine, eight in the morning to nine at night, a lot of nights. And, uh, at the end of the day, it's just like, there's not enough hours in the day. So that's true for pretty much <laughs> all startups. Here's, yeah. uh, one suggestion, so lawyers are often a, a connecting point to potential investors. So I don't know whether you've got uh, a lot of need for legal help right now in doing contracts, but you might consider looking at some of the law firms that are connected to the tech scene and working with them on some of the legal work you need to do now, but then using that as a pathway to kind of get the word out. Because there's nothing lawyers like better than to be able to connect good promising clients to other people on the investment side because it, it all kind of works together. Oh, that's great. 
I have, by the way, taken a quick look at the Philly Tech Guide, and uh, perhaps off the air, I can give you some thoughts on potential investors in the future. One of the challenges that you have being a manufacturing company is that uh, a lot of tech firms like software, not manufacturing. Uh, so mm-hmm. I think it'll be efficient to just focus on companies that are going to be comfortable with manufacturing. And also, I think over time, again, we can talk about this uh, off air, is thinking about how you describe your proprietary technology. It's something that all equity investors are looking for. And being able to describe it in a way that an investor can say, oh, yeah, I can see over the next five years that this is totally a protectable kind of thing. I think that'll also be important to help over time. Excellent. Well, great. So are there any other ways that you think I might be able to be helpful to you in your current situation? No, not at this time. I mean, uh, just those two points uh, about the uh, convertible debt and uh, kind of reaching out to law firms to connect with investors. You know, I think that's just a really great start. And then, of course, just talking this out and hashing it out with somebody uh, who's much smarter than me also, um, you know, helps a lot, too, just to kind of get the gears spinning. Well, I'm not sure about smarter, but definitely (laughs) been around a long time. And also, again, it it turns out that in my noodling around there, I do have some connections to two of the – actually, three of the venture capital firms in the greater Philadelphia area. It sounds like you've got your plate full now, but down the road, I may be able to help uh, make some warm and friendly introductions because that's another thing that uh, investors are looking for is an introduction to a deal from a trusted source, whether that's a lawyer or from some other successful entrepreneurs that they know. Excellent. Yeah, that would be fantastic. Great. Well, thanks very much for uh, being on The Funding Coach, and I look forward to keeping in touch in the future. I appreciate it. Thank you for having me and thanks for your help. I've got a lot more to say about this interview, including some of the things I observed about Max's bootstrapping story, as well as his challenges and opportunities with equity funding. And that's why I've recorded another whole episode as follow-up. And that's the way each season of The Funding Coach will roll out. First, an interview show like this one, then a follow-up show, then back with a new company, back and forth for six companies, and then I'll wrap up the season with an update on how these real businesses are doing with their real funding challenges. And as you know with entrepreneurs, you can expect the unexpected. And of course, another thing you can expect from entrepreneurs like me is that when we come out with a new product like The Funding Coach, we really want to know what you think. So please head on over to iTunes and leave me a review or head on over to fourcolorsofmoney.com and leave some comments there. Really anxious to hear what you think. Uh, I'm somewhere between excited and uh, Reed Hoffman, founder of LinkedIn's famous quote, if you're not embarrassed by your first release, you've waited too long. In any case, uh, this is a wrap up for uh, The Funding Coach 001, and I hope you enjoyed it and that I will be chatting with you again soon here on The Funding Coach.